Hey, what's going on everyone? Welcome back. Today, I wanna to talk about what's next for the retail investor. Now, in 2017, 2018, I felt certain that the retail investor was about to have its moment in the sun, our moment in the sun. And I was really excited because there was this new path emerging. And I've talked about this before, but as somebody who's always been interested in markets and investing, it always felt like I was a little bit cut off from the investing world. And I'll tell you why. First, there's Wall Street. Now, I didn't go to Wall Street. I didn't get my MBA. And so while I love markets, it felt like to get, you know, to really participate at a certain point in time, it was Wall Street was the path. Then, of course, we had the startup boom and the venture capital boom. And that was the second path. But that path equally was a difficult road to go down. You know, maybe you wanted to be a VC, maybe you wanted to be an angel investor, but the path to getting there was also uh, very difficult. I wrote a piece on this, and I think it's like 50% of people in VC, I think that's probably as of 2019 or 2020, uh, went to Stanford or Harvard, some, something crazy like that. Um, so that, that path was very prohibitive in its own way. And then thanks really to... Um, fintech and the boom that was happening, um, as well as crypto, it felt like a new path was emerging. And the individual investor was having access to financial products like never before. The first was public blockchains and, and uh, really the altcoin um, boom as well. Um, and with CoinMarketCap, it was this beautiful thing because if you go to CoinMarketCap.com, you almost have this alternate NASDAQ, this alternate uh, S&P 500. You have these public liquid blockchains that anybody can invest in regardless of their accreditation status. Now, that might change. Maybe this is all a bad thing. That's not really what we're talking about today. What was new and exciting for the retail investor was the ability to invest in liquid public products that essentially gave you the returns of VC, but with the sort of open market dynamics of public equities. And that was incredibly exciting because at least for me, it felt like, wow, I don't have to go the Wall Street route. I don't have to go the angel VC route. I can be that type of investor today with any amount of money, with full liquidity, thanks to crypto and also Thanks to a lot of things that were happening in fintech. I mean, we saw rolling funds launch. Uh, there was changes to the uh, laws for uh, public fundraising. Um, so sort of Kickstarter-like dynamics, but for fundraising for companies. And we were seeing these new financial tools and primitives such as Uniswap, which if you haven't used Uniswap, go to uniswap.com. I think it's uniswap.org maybe. Uh, just Google it. Make sure you're going to the right link. Um, but try Uniswap. It is... Um, a mind-blowing financial primitive to test out. There's also apps like Syndicate DAO, there's Composer. So there's all these different amazing financial tools that are coming together. And then we had this stimulus moment with lockdowns. Everyone's locked down, the government's giving a stimulus, and this is when the retail investor really, really sort of made itself known and really had its moment in the sun. And we'll talk about whether that's a good thing where that's going. That's what I want to explore today is where is this going? But I just want to give a little bit of the setup and the background for where we've been. There's a few key moments that really stick out to me. 
uh, which happened during that time period, 2020, 2021. The first was the AMC GameStop Robinhood moment. And that was where Wall Street Bets uh, famously coordinated the short squeeze. Um, you can obviously, you've probably seen that. You can read more about it. Um, and the image that I'm using as a cover image for this post is the number of of people subscribed to the Wall Street Bets subreddit went from about a million to 10 million within the span of a few months. I mean, it's just a vertical uh, chart that you can see there. And so this really captured the zeitgeist, this sort of individual investor concept. Then we had two other moments to stick out. The first is the fundraise for Constitution Dow, which came together very quickly. I think that was maybe $35, $40 million was fundraised uh, to buy the Constitution, although they didn't win the bid. And then there was the Ukraine aid, which came together in a few days via cryptocurrency donations, which was sent to a wallet owned by somebody in the Ukrainian government, which was distributed for supplies uh, for the war effort. So those key moments really cemented, um, you know, on top of NFTs and, and all that, really cemented this retail investor having some influence. And what's so interesting about specifically those three moments I just listed are this is about the coordination of capital. It's about retail investors coordinating their capital to vote with their dollars. And money is this thing that helps us coordinate energy and attention. You know, if you think about it, um, money drives attention. And the way we know that is one, advertising. Uh, but two, and this is a, a different reference, I remember the purchase of the $69 million Beeple art piece by Metacoven, which was this massive NFT purchase. And I thought to myself, this is so interesting because it's the purchase itself functioned as this massive advertising for NFTs. And Metacoven, the buyer, was suddenly on all these different podcasts, right? So simply by making this big purchase, tons of attention was garnered using capital. So money is a way that we coordinate our energy and attention. And the retail investor is now starting to coordinate in new ways. And so crowds of people with liquid ability to move capital and resources on a dime are making their preferences known using and shifting around this capital. And that to me was one of the first kind of light bulbs is that this has massive political ramifications. Um, and I think that's why you've seen, uh, the, you know, the, the Congress bill had such big pushback uh, that was sort of anti-crypto. You're seeing politicians be pro-crypto because I think they understand it's not just the attention game anymore. It's not just the media game anymore. It's the money flows game now. And the last thing I want to say on this before we get into the kind of the big question and where I think things are going is when people can start coordinating their capital like this, when their uh, their money is liquid, it, it kind of makes the, the passive investor active. And maybe that's really the dynamic that's going on right now is that the last 10, 20 years, the average investor was passive. And possibly what we're seeing is now active management, right? People are moving their own money around. They're uh, choosing to make some of their own financial decisions. And this is where we get to whether this is sort of good or not. You know, is this trend actually going anywhere? 
And I think the question we need to ask ourselves is, and this is what I've been thinking about a lot, is are those signals that I was just talking about actually symptoms of a late stage bubble where in the last bit of inflation of this bubble, it sucked in the retail investor. And then unfortunately is now as the uh, government fights inflation, they're pushing liquidity out of the market, which is wrecking uh, financial conditions, which is wrecking the portfolio of the retail trader. You know, did, did we sort of see retail get sucked into the late stage of a bubble? And that's really all this was. All the things we're talking about is this just late stage bubble mechanics where unfortunately retail is sort of dumped into. Um, and, you know, that's difficult. There's a lot of people, I think, really across the entire market um, who are in pain. And so maybe it's not just retail. However, I can't think about, uh, or I think about looking at that Wall Street bets chart and just say, wow, retail was really pulled in right before this deleveraging. And that's one view. You know, it may be some of the signals, some of the ability to coordinate capital, retail wanting to be active at all. Maybe that's Maybe that's just a function of where we are in the market, and it's not a trend. It's not something that's secular. In it's going to be something that plays out bigger and bigger, you know, over the next five to ten years. And I don't know the answer to this. Is this retail investor thing a trend, or was it part of the bubble? But I do want to share a potential sort of integrated way of thinking about where things go from here. And I want to bring up a really interesting question that Jeff Dorman from Arca. Uh, in, investing has been posing recently that I think kind of can tie some of these things together. So uh, Jeff Dorman, he's got this great question, which is imagine that Disney launches a token. And if Disney launches a token, what is the value of that token? What's the market cap of that token? Is it less than Disney's current market cap as a public equity or would it be more? Now, that is a very interesting question. And from my perspective, the token is worth more. And that's Jeff's view as well. And the reason is because while an equity is uh, a share of ownership in the cash flows, a token can be much broader and lead into who you are as a customer. It It can affect how you operate as a customer of Disney. Now, we've got Disney+. Plus. We've got the Disney theme parks, right? There's this entire universe that Disney controls. And imagine that you own a Disney token, which is effectively like frequent flyer miles um, for Disney. Imagine you own the token. You are a shareholder, but you're also a customer. And as a customer, you get benefits by holding the token. And so this mechanic of Disney launching a token means that every investor in Disney equity is also also can be a customer or can have customer-like perks simply for holding those tokens, those shares effectively. And that's very interesting because what that means is that customers are more a part of the upside of these public companies. And even more interesting, you know, what if, uh, you know, what if instead of the world uh, incorporating, you know, the, the world sort of shifting to incorporate crypto. What if it's the other way around where, uh, you know, essentially instead of people moving into crypto, what if the public world and what if the equity world starts actually using crypto like economics? 
Um, and, and I think that's probably what we're going to see. And how this fits with the retail investors is it means that the retail investor in some sense has a larger board seat, a larger seat at the table. And when tokens are liquid, when you can be selling both your ownership stake in a company that's an investment, but also your access to a service or your benefits like frequent flyer miles as a service, when those are fungible, it means that corporate activism or activism from your public shareholders can be more can be different because if you are sort of against Disney or, or if you suddenly turn south on Disney, you want to boycott the company, it is both the customer and the shareholder now that is sort of revolting on you. Whereas before those might've been separate demographics, right? Disney might be trying to please, um, you know, particular hedge funds about their, or, you know, the quarterly earnings, which obviously is reflected with how customers perceive the brand, but they're not so linked, right? It's not like all of your customers are also shareholders in the way that it might be with a token. And so we don't know what that means yet, but the game theory to me makes it feel like if Disney can launch a token and have a higher market cap, if that token can provide more benefits to their customers, leading to more maybe retention or a better experience, and if companies can essentially start to put brand and community on the balance sheet via a token, which increases the market cap, I think companies will want to do that. I think individuals will want to do that. You might see an Elon Musk token, right? Um, and I think all of that speaks to a new or continued empowerment of the retail investor who become more active participants in where corporate um, you know, companies go into the future. So that's sort of my prediction here. Uh, I think, you know, Jeff has a really good view on this. It's worth listening to him talk about this. Uh, you know, as far as where that, what that means for the retail investor, what does that mean for you? What does that mean for me? Well, something I've been talking about a lot lately is now is not a time to take action, right? Now's the time to kind of observe and look for the next opportunity. And it's possible that part of the next opportunity set is going to come from this sort of blending of, you know, old world sort of equities and new world, uh, you know, kind of retail investing in tokens um, to see some really big winners kind of emerge. So I'm waiting to see some of that stuff happen. And I'm waiting to see the momentum that comes from that. I'm also looking for more kind of coordination moments like Constitution Dow, like uh, the AMC, you know, GameStop kind of Robin Hood moment, like the Ukraine aid for cryptocurrency, but seeing that in political realms, those are things to watch for. Uh, but what, what do you think? Is the retail investor toast after being sucked into this bubble and then spit out the other side? Will we see more coordination like we've seen in the past year or two, or is that a passing fad? And what do you think about this idea of uh, corporates launching tokens and effectively putting their customers more in a position to be more active members, more active sort of board members in, in a sense. Um, that's it for today. I'll be back again with some more thoughts on the market uh, and just anything else that catches my eye, whether it's brand or um, you know in, investing or just certain trends that I'm seeing. As always, be back again very soon. I appreciate it. Later.